The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What did you make of the, the trade Lance trade to Dallas? Weird situation. Been a lot of weird situations over there in San Francisco. Just leave it at that. But uh, you know, I'm happy Trey got another shot, man. How do you think San Francisco's handled those, those quarterback situations? How do you think they've handled them? <laughs> I think it's been messy. I'll, I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way to put it. Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy who said after the 2021 season, when he was the starter and Trey Lance was the backup, I wouldn't wish that experience on anyone. So it has been a stressful time in San Francisco, undermining the starter with the arrival of Trey Lance. And now Trey Lance, Chris, gets thrown overboard two years into his career. Brock Purdy's the starter. Sam Darnold's the QB, too. I said last week, and I think I said this while they had not yet traded him, why not just make him QB2 and keep him? $6.3 million over the next two years. You never know when you're going to need him. Just tell him he's QB2. If that's what it takes to keep him, okay, fine, you're QB2. Darnold's QB3, and we just go forward. I really do think at the end of the day, and the fact that they gladly handed him off to the Cowboys for a fourth-round pick, that underscores the fact that Kyle had seen enough. He was ready to move on. He had made the assessment. This just is never going to work. There's no point continuing it. Well, I, I yeah, you know, I, and I think too, it, it starts to become a distraction for the football team too. And I think he wanted to, you know, do right by Trey Lance. I, I, I think, and Kyle, and I know this, and he was honest and, and kind of saying this last week. I do believe he wanted to do right by him. I think he would have gone either way in this situation. But then, yeah, when you get offered a fourth round pick, which which is more than what I thought he was going to get offered, right? then, yeah, you do that. And like we said last segment, they got Brandon Allen, who they were comfortable with. Okay, let's make him the three. We're good. We don't have to talk about Trey Lance, Sam Darnold every week and deal with that whole conversation and even have that in the locker room. So I think it was a lot of positives there for San Francisco. It's positive for Trey Lance. Get him a fresh start, a fresh look. And now we can kind of discuss – what Dallas really means by getting Trey Lance in Dallas. Uh, that, that's, that's the other part of this equation here. 
Well, here's Trey Lance from yesterday on, before we get to the Dallas side of it, his views on how things came to an end after only two seasons with the 49ers. It's not how I expected it to go. It's not how I think, you know, a lot of people expected it to go. Uh, but, you know, I, I believe that everything happens for a reason. Kind of really trying to move on. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it definitely took some time. Um, you know, that, that conversation obviously, you know, wasn't something that I wanted to hear. But uh, that's the, the reality of the situation. Um, and nothing but respect and, and gratitude for everyone there and, you know, coaching staff, locker room, um, you know, obviously athletic training staff, everyone I, I spent a ton of time with these last few years. Uh, but, yeah, obviously, you know, it, it was tough, tough. But uh, for me, it was, you know, kind of trying to figure out, you know, what's next and uh, what's going to happen in the future. I, I really tried to not, you know, expect anything one way or another. Uh, but I, I can say that when I heard Cowboys, you know, I, I had a big smile on my face. Uh, I was very excited to, to be here. Jarring to see him in a Cowboys hat, even though he only played in four regular season games for the 49ers. It just takes him getting used to. And, you know, Chris, the comment was made by Kyle last week after the trade that Trey Lance wanted to go somewhere where he had a chance to be the number two. I still don't understand how he's going to be the number two in Dallas. No. Cooper Rush there. Right. How's he going to – Cooper Rush has far more experience. Not far more close. experience. Yeah. More than twice the number of games, more than twice the number of regular season passes thrown. Cooper Rush is number two, and he's been there. Trey Lance is the guy who's just showing up. So – I and remember last week we said why would he want to go from being number three in San Francisco to number three somewhere else where he doesn't know anybody and he's got to start from scratch and everything's different and why do you want to put yourself through that just ride it out this year I don't know why he thinks he's going to be number two in Dallas I don't, I don't know either. what they told him to make no. him think he's going to be number two and I don't know why he's so happy about it because I frankly think, and I have a feeling we're going to get to this, I think he's a pawn in a bigger drama in Dallas right now. Well, yeah, that, I, I think that yeah, we are going to get to that. <clears throat> I'm with you from the <clears> – <throat> excuse me, from the pure football standpoint, I go, San Francisco made more sense, right? But that's easy for me to say, right? And Trey Lance has been through a lot. As he said there, it hurt. He didn't want to hear that. He had to take a break. He's a competitor. You know, the pressure has been on him more than just about anybody in football in San Francisco. So I understand him wanting to get out. But, yeah, from a pure football standpoint, I, I, I think, you know, the 49ers did make sense. You know, But at the same time, he wants a fresh vibe, a fresh look, and just to move on with his career. And things got a little crazy there in San Francisco. So I, I get that. Now, with the Dallas situation, yeah, I mean, you, you're right, Mike. There's no way he's beating out Cooper Rush anytime soon, that's for sure. I mean, like we just discussed with the Patriots and that backup quarterback situation, he's got to learn the offense. There will be some similarities as far as language and stuff like that, but not ton. I mean, so there's a lot to, there's a lot to learn here. Uh, the, the big question is not why Trey Lance would do it. You know, I think we've unpacked that. The big question is yes. Why does Dallas do it? And that's where I think we've got some theories or we can connect some dots to what makes sense here from the Cowboys standpoint and why they would you know, make a trade for Trey Lance. $59.455 million is why the Cowboys did it, I believe. That's Dak Prescott's cap number next year. There had been an expectation, a belief, an aspiration that the Cowboys were going to extend Dak Prescott's contract during this offseason, knocking down next year's massive cap number. This year, it's simply 26.8. 
but next year it's 59.455. And how do you get that to change? You get the player to agree to a new contract that reduces his cap number. Without his agreement, they're stuck with 59.455. Good luck signing Micah Parsons to a long-term extension that pays him more than any defensive player in NFL history when your quarterback is on the books for 59.455. So they need him to agree to something that works for them. And he's got the leverage to say, sorry, I want to be the highest paid player. I want another great contract. I want something equivalent to my four years, $160 million that you had to rip up after three years because the cap number was too huge. I'm going to drive a hard bargain because you drove a hard bargain with me. You didn't give me a contract after my first three years. You didn't give me a contract after my fourth year. You made me play five years, and then you gave me my long-term contract, and I got you over a barrel again, and I'm going to take full advantage of it. They need to have a plan B if Dak Prescott does now what he did in 2021, which was drive a bargain so hard, so aggressive, that the Cowboys, I think, were, were shocked by it. But they had no other choice. They're in that spot again. So they at least have to have a plausible plan B to Dak Prescott. If Dak Prescott shows up and says, guys, happy to redo my deal. I want $55 million a year in new money. It's There's a lot to unpack here, right? It's I I so there's two things that jump out here. One, yeah, obviously they're making the trade to you know hopefully strike gold in the quarterback asset world, right? Trey Lance, they liked him coming out in the draft. He does have some physical tools that are impressive. We know his arm is strong, right? It's not a smooth delivery like we've talked about. It's a lot of hard wobblers. He doesn't throw an easy catchable football. He's not as fast as everybody thought he was coming out of school. We don't see him run and do crazy stuff like that. But they're hoping they can make him into something. So there's two things that come to mind here for me as far as football is concerned. All right, like you you said it. He's not going to beat Cooper Rush out right now. But maybe after two, two and a half months, he'll know the offense is close to Cooper Rush. And he does have, like we said, I think more top-end talent. So maybe they're looking at it, hey, Dak Prescott, he has been banged up a little bit over the last few years. If he were to get hurt in week 14, you know, Trey Lance, his top-end ability, we got a Super Bowl team, we might be able to run our offense more with a guy like that than Cooper Rush, who we're going to run the ball, run the ball, take a calculated throw down the field, run the ball, run the ball, run. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. The second thing is what you're talking about, Right is you know, make him into something and, and then have the pressure on Dak Prescott when it comes contract time. But I, I, I still think that's far-fetched. That, that's where I look at it and go, a fourth-round pick for a guy who hasn't played in three years and now he's most likely not going to play again here, again this year, and then you think in the offseason – and everything, he's going to be able to put enough pressure on Dak Prescott and the Cowboys to go, wait, oh, he's breathing down my neck here. I I better rethink my con- – I, I just don't envision that. I don't know, you know, am I crazy? But I just – I don't see how that happens either. So I'm a little confused by the trade or what, what signal they're sending out by the whole thing. I agree with you, Chris. I think it was a desperation move. And you said they liked him in the draft. They reportedly had a second-round grade on him. And I can't really 
do the mental gymnastics to go from second round grade in 2021 to picking up the back end of his fully guaranteed contract yeah. with no relief right. from the 49ers. That's what I was hearing on Friday afternoon. Hey, if the 49ers want to trade this guy and they're trying their damnedest to trade him, they may have to pay some of this money right. next year. Right. 950000 was left this year. The bulk of it, 5.3 next year. Uh, they may have to pay some of it. And they get the Cowboys to pay it all. And they get the Cowboys to give up a four. You know, it was one of those situations where they were trying to keep a straight face when they were talking about it afterward because they never expected to get a four. I don't think for they Trey did. Lance. I don't think they did. And so this, this is what do you think I'm, anybody else got involved in the conversation? Right? Do, do you think? I saw the bills. I saw the bills were involved. I right. can't remember who reported that, but somebody said the bills were involved. Yeah, I, I, but it wasn't close. Yeah, Cowboys were far and away the closest. Yeah, it, it's what it seems like. And and again, or you best. Know, excuse I, me. I saw. I saw. You know, the bills. You know, I think there was some some thoughts in league circles that Minnesota, you know, uh, with their GM coming from San Francisco, that there was a there was some liking there, you know. But yeah, I, I I'll be interested to as time goes and when I hear more about it, who was really involved in this conversation and what made the Cowboys just go all in on this? Because I I like you, I think I'm shocked that they got a fourth rounder and didn't have to pay the money of Trey Lance. I think the fact that the Cowboys went all in and moved so quickly shows how concerned they are about this $59.455 million cap number, and they have no control over that situation. They put themselves in this mess. This goes back to something that I said earlier this week when we were talking about it, Chris. Always pay your guy. When you know he's your guy, pay him now. Don't wait. The longer you wait, the more of a mess you make for yourself. The Cowboys made a mess for themselves in 2021 with the contract they had to give Dak, and now they've got a mess now, and it's weighing on them. And I think they just had this thing fall into their lap out of the, uh, fall into their lap out of the sky and decided we, just, we have to go get this guy because we currently have no leverage. We have no plan B. We have nothing. Cooper Rush is all we have as the alternative and, and the leverage and the way to get Dak Prescott to be more reasonable next year. It's still a mess. Yeah. It's not like they can trade him. He's got no. a no-trade clause. Right. They could, they could ask him to waive it. They could find another spot for him, and they could reduce the cap number that way. But he has them. He has them. He is in a position where they have to do whatever he wants, and I'm sure they hate that. And I think this Lance move, and the reason that I believe it, when Jerry Jones was asked about it on Saturday night, he said that Dak's contract never even crossed his mind in this analysis. And my reaction to that is, Chris, he's either completely incompetent or he's he's not telling the truth. Well, of course not. How could right. it not at least right. cross? He's an oil line? salesman, How okay? Could it not cross <laughs> I mean, line? come on. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. This is exactly why they're doing it. They don't know what they're going to do next year, but we need to have somebody that we can plausibly make Dak think is our long-term alternative. And if you want to continue to be the Cowboys starting quarterback, you need to work with us. Yeah, I just feel like it's it's that simple. Yeah, I I I I I hear you there. I think it is probably that simple too. I don't know if it works or it makes sense to go this route with Trey Lance, but yeah, it's it it's I guess worth a, a shot in the dark for that. I do, and again, I I I think there's a you know, a wanting of more from Dak Prescott and his play for what they've paid him and all that. Right. Like you said, hey, when he knows your guy, you want to pay him. Right. They paid him. And now, like you're talking about next year, he's going to be the highest paid quarterback in football. And, you know, the way it looked last year 
and have we seen them, you know, perform in some big moments the last few years? They can't be totally happy with Dak Prescott. You know, he he's being paid like he's one of the top quarterbacks in football, and they're not getting top quarterback in football type of exactly. performance back. And I think that added to all that you're saying is is really eating away at them. That's a point that I made earlier this week, and it's no disrespect intended toward Dak. I think Dak is still a very good quarterback. The problem is, remember when Russell Wilson started to creep down your top 40 rankings? Uh-huh. It wasn't because he'd, he'd gotten worse. There were just too many younger guys that were better. And I think that's what Dak has fallen victim to. And I, I laid out the names the other day in a post at PFT, but there are seven or eight guys clearly better than him. He's in that cut of yes. Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins. Exactly. Like, where are they between 9, nine and, 12 and 12 or 13? Exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. That's how I see it. And I would sit here last year and go, you know, and, and as you saw in my quarterback rankings, Kirk Cousins, he played better football than Dak Prescott. That, that's not even close last year. It, it, it's not. And it was not a great year. And let alone, you know, hey, the Week 18 performance against Washington wasn't good. The 49ers game, it's there to be had. You know, they're looking at it. Jerry Jones going, I'm paying you $45 million plus. We're, we've, our defense is holding down the Ford against the 49ers. Man, bad pick right before half. Man, bad pick. What was that? In the fourth quarter, right? And that's, I think, you know, eating away at them that way. Plus, I probably they probably feel like, yeah, like you kind of said, that he won that first negotiation battle anyways, and that drives them crazy because they are oil salesmen, like we said. So, uh, yeah, this is this has got I think some meat on it, and I'm interested to see where the future goes with this one. One of the things that Jones said when Zach Martin was holding out is we need to save our money for the Micah Parsons contract. Well, they've just thrown away another six point three million over the next two years on a quarterback who presumably isn't going to play, which just makes it harder to have the money available to extend Micah Parsons. That's the problem, and. Let me let me pose this question to you yeah. before we move on. Yeah. If you're the Cowboys, who would you rather have beyond this season, Dak Prescott or Micah Parsons? Uh, Micah Parsons. I don't say that easily because the quarterback, again, like we talk about, when you got a guy around the top ten, it, you know, it's like we always say, it's like, yeah, you want something better, but you know, like Mahomes and Allen and Burrow don't grow on trees, so yeah, yeah, we want something better, but he's, but Micah Parsons is arguably the best defensive player in football, and he's just hitting the prime of his career here. So, yeah, I would say Micah Parsons. I I, I don't say that easily, uh, but I, I would give the edge there for sure, yeah. I'm with you, and this is another analytics exercise as it relates to roster construction. I, I have a better chance of finding another fringe top 10 quarterback than I do another best defensive player in football and if I have to pay this fringe top 10 quarterback more than any other quarterbacks making in new money average all the more reason to go try to find a different top 10 fringe quarterback and focus my resources on keeping the guy that is on track to become the new perennial defensive player of the year candidate and maybe under the right circumstances an MVP candidate that's how good he is so and I, they're just they're trying to work this out, and they, I just think they freaked out. They saw an opportunity, and they thought it through, and they just did it. And you know what else, Chris? They didn't tell Dak Prescott they were doing it. 
They didn't even tell Mike McCarthy they were doing it. They just went and did it. Yeah, you know, you know, Mike McCarthy, that's one where I go, I don't get that. Why don't we tell him? Now, I know a lot of people have made a lot of, like, noise about, oh, they should have included Dak Prescott in this conversation. You know, again, this is the football business. We've gotten a little too loose, I think, just because of, like, the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Manning's of the world, or even Aaron Rodgers, but they are who they are. They're in a different stratosphere where we think, oh, the quarterback should be involved in all big decisions. And it's just that's just not the way it works. That, that's not the way it works. I, I'm sorry. And, and we know, I mean, the NFL has that military-ish background, chain of command, whatever. So that, that's not way it's, it's going to go down. I mean, again, if New England doesn't tell Tom Brady they're drafting Jimmy Garoppolo, then you don't got to tell any quarterbacks Jack Diddley crap. That's what I would say. All right? So people are off base with that, in my opinion. Okay? And also, like, what I also want to say, and I know we've said, ooh, we, this could mean that, but at the same time, I want to go, like, what do they got to tell Dak Prescott anyways? Like, hey, we're trading for the guy that was a borderline fourth guy on the on the depth chart in San Francisco, and we're bringing in a third stringer here, right? Dak Prescott, if he's the man and, and he is who I think he is, he should go, I don't give a damn who you bring in here. I'm the man. I'm the sheriff in town. So... I think I don't think that matters now. McCarthy, I, I, he deserves to be talked to a little bit in that conversation. Well, and let me give you the counter. Yeah, okay. That, because cool. Cool. this is a topic that's come up from time to time. Whether it's Aaron Rodgers, whether it's Russell Wilson, whether it's whoever. If you want the quarterback to be de facto coach on the field, if you want the quarterback to be the liaison to the locker room that's taking the messages from the coaching staff to the players. If you want him to be quasi-member of management, there are certain courtesies that I think the quarterback deserves. This was why Aaron Rodgers was so disenchanted with the front office in Green Bay. Their attitude toward him when issues of personnel management came up were, you just work here. Well, I'm, I do more than just work here. I am your emissary to the rank and file. And all we're, all we're saying is, with Prescott and Trey Lance, just give him a heads up. Hey, Dak. You know, we, we know you really like Will Greer. That's something Dak said in the aftermath. Yeah, I know. I, lo I love Will Greer. We're going to kind of shake things up in the quarterback room a couple weeks before week one. Just want you to know what's coming. We're going to bring in Trey Lance. We think this is a good opportunity to improve the quarterback room, and we're going to have to let Will Greer go. I, you know, we just want you to know that since it's going to affect you. And that's the thing. It affects him. He's your leader of the team. Highest paid player, at least for now. And this is something that does affect him. Even if he stays on the field for every snap all year long, this affects his life. This affects his orbit. This affects his existence at work. Why don't you just tell him? How hard is it to tell him before you do it? Well, that's what That's what I look at and say, it seems a little disrespectful to not tell him. I, I, I get you there. You know, again, I'd echo to go like, this should not affect Dak Prescott. He should not be preparing for the Giants going, oh, damn, Trey Lance is here now. Oh, I mean, I, it, it shouldn't. Okay, the other, the other angle I'll throw there, because we, we see this happen too. Okay, they tell Dak Prescott a few days before. Now he tells a guy in the locker room. He tells <laughs> yeah. a guy and an agent. All of a sudden the 49ers know, 
The Cowboys are kind of hot on them. That's just going to drive up the price and everything there. So I understand them kind of keeping that close to the vest in this type of conversation. At least that would be my two cents. And just to push back a little on what you said, let's not put Dak Prescott in Aaron Rodgers' category quite yet. Let's. I know. I know you're not. But I'm just, to me, as a. That's for, like, the special quarterbacks. Mahomes should get talked to. He's got enough, you know. Uh, what pellets on the horse of the damn wall. What are we talking about? You know, Brady's the Manning's the legends of the sport. That's who you talk to. I don't think everybody should get the, Ooh, I want to be a part of every decision and organizational thought process at the quarterback position. And that brings us back to the original point. The Cowboys don't want to pay him in that same way. That's what this is all about. He holds leverage over them contractually that puts him in a position where he can be paid as if he is one of the greats of the game. And by not telling him in advance, the message to them, from them, to him is, we don't view you that way. So you better not view yourself that way when it's time to redo this contract. So I think we finally figured out. I think they've been sending that signal, right? Like, like even with the Instagram post last year at the end of the game, you know, yes. after the point, like, <laughs> you know, you talk to people. I, I think they're, you know, you talk to people. I don't think it's like, oh, man, he's our guy forever here. No, I, they want more from him. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think they've kind of put those signals out there. At some point, they've got to get off the Dak Prescott roller coaster because They have themselves in a spot where they keep paying market-level contract unless he decides on his own. I cannot in good conscience force a market-level contract. I'm going to be self-aware as to where I fit in the broader quarterback hierarchy, and I'm not going to leverage this situation into $55 million a year or whatever the top number is after this season. They're hoping that I think he does that on his own, but he's got no reason to do it. And at some point, they have to ask themselves, why are we paying this much money? to a guy who isn't performing at the level that that money would suggest. We have to stop the ride. We have to move on to somebody else. And the best they can muster at this point is Trey Lance. So they're going from the most exciting ride in the amusement park to the teacups from Dak Prescott to Trey Lance, but they hope they can make that that, that teacup ride pretty damn exciting you know, I don't know, set the teacups on fire or something. No, I don't you know. just got to spin that, that damn thing. They're really, that you got to go crazy. Crazy. You just got to really spin it hard. They're hoping that becomes a better <laughs> ride for them. But that's all they got. That's all they got. That's all they got. And, and that's why, ultimately, I think they did it. All right. Uh, we're going to take a look at the AFC East, one of the most difficult and challenging divisions this year by way of schedule and composition. How will it play out this year? We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. 
this is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Goal for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Yeah, feeling good. You know, uh, me and the medical staff, you know, talks and they're doing a good job, you know, monitoring me and doing stuff like that, but feeling good. The expectation is you'll be there every one? Yeah, always expectation to go out and play. Jalen Waddle wearing the John Daly Wild Thing t-shirt. Wish we would have got a better shot of that from like, behind the podium. Things you wouldn't have think you'd, you'd see today, <laughs> right? Yeah. Slot Absolutely. receiver who can fly wearing a damn John Daly Wild Thing t-shirt. <laughs> I, I did not think I was going to see that right there. That was kind of shocking. I'm with you. <laughs> Uh, Jalen Waddle, a little, a little larger this year, not quite as large as John Daly, but put on some weight, a little more explosion, midsection injury that he suffered earlier in the uh, training camp process, missed two weeks with that injury, expects to play week one against the Chargers, that's what he said, so, hey, I don't know how I feel about this exercise. I didn't approve this exercise of putting Good. themselves on the line Good. before the start of the season, saying who's in fourth, third, second, and first. Wait, are you saying you agree with the fact that we shouldn't be doing this, or are you happy that I have consternation about it? I'm happy that you have consternation about it. I'm, I'm glad to see you a little uncomfortable and wiggle. See, I like this one. I've already done this, so I did this on my podcast a little bit. I'm guessing this is maybe why they're doing this. So I like that now we got to put you under the pressure, you know, put you under pressure too. we gotta got to put hey, you folks, on the spot. Just just because you did it with Chris's podcast doesn't mean you have to check the box here. We can talk about other things. Because, look, here's the problem. First of all, here's the disclaimer. Nobody knows what's going to happen. It's part of the fun. I wish at a certain point we could just sit back and enjoy the game and cover the game and not be expected to have all these predictions that are going to be wrong because nobody knows. That's part of the fun. Nobody knows. I hate having to root for my predictions to be right. But that's what we all do. We make our predictions, and then we root for them to be right, not just sit back and enjoy the show. I'd like to just sit back and enjoy the show. Think about it. You're going to see a movie. And before going to see the movie, you have to make a list of predictions of shit that's going to happen in the movie. So instead of enjoying the movie, what are you doing? You got your bingo card out, and you're saying, oh, when's that thing going to happen? When's that thing going to happen? When's, when's somebody going to sneak a gun into a baseball game by sticking it in the folds of the fattener belly, which happened in Chicago this week? When's that going to happen in this movie? Like, I, I'd rather just enjoy the show. I've gotten to this point in my life, and maybe it's after 23 years of doing it. I don't like doing it anymore. I don't like making predictions anymore. I don't like picking games anymore. I just want to enjoy it. Can we just enjoy it? I guess we can't. No, we can't. They can't. I mean, this these exercises are fun. You know, yeah, it's okay. You know, we, we you get paid a lot of money. They're gonna put your ass on the line a little bit. Put your money where your mouth is. I don't is. think they're paying me. <laughs> hey, if they're if they're let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. If they're paying me for my skills of predicting outcomes of seasons and games. They're really getting screwed. Hey, I don't know. They're already I, getting screwed for what they're yeah. paying me anyway, for yeah. what they do pay me for. But if they're paying me to do this, 
Man, they're getting screwed worse than the Cowboys under the next Dak Prescott contract. Hey, well, just like, like I've done for the last four years in a row, pick the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. Okay, that's the first that's thing you true. do. That's true. And you'll be somewhat right. Right? So you go from there. Last year, we predicted Eagle. I know. I mean, Eagles 49ers, we know how damn good they were going to be. You know, they were in my our, our prediction of NFC championship game. I think I had I had the Packers in the mix. Oh, that's right. I had that's the right. I had I, so so yeah, we we're, we can we can steer this ship in the right direction, but yeah. the AFC All East right. is crazy. The AFC in general is crazy. This yeah. is why it'll be fun. Let's do it. Okay, yeah, fun. It's <laughs> it is something that starts with F and U, but the similarities end with the letter N. Okay. So, fourth place in the AFC East. Now, now and, and here's the caveat that I have been mentioning since the day they pulled the sheet off the schedule. Every team in this division, in addition to playing the other three teams twice, they each play the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Giants. 11 games on their schedule are against very good teams because every team in this division is very good. Even though we look at the Patriots and say, what are they right now? They're coached by Bill Belichick, so they're going to be competitive. Exactly. So, who finishes? Not who's fourth place on paper, because that would be the Patriots. Who finishes in fourth place, in your opinion, as we stand on the brink of a season with 17 games and injuries and all other factors is going to screw everything up? Where does the dust settle? Who finishes in fourth place? I'm going to go with the Patriots there. I know they're fourth on paper, and I, I think they're fourth in reality. You know, now, is it like, are they so bad that you couldn't envision them being in second? No. Like you said, the whole division's good. But I think when you, you know, hey, it's, you know, Billy O'Brien back in the fold's a positive for sure. But I think we, the offensive line is a question mark up there. The defense, can it be really, really dominant? You know, I know the defense can be good, but I guess what I'm saying between the offensive line and, you know, we'll see what the offense and passing game looks like. Is the offense going to be, you know, so good that is it going to be a top offense in football? I I just don't see that either. So I, I don't know. I'm picking the Patriots to be fourth here. That's the safe pick. That's the chalk pick. Yeah. See, this is where this is where this exercise really pisses me off, because I think at some level you ever play Jenga. Yeah, I love Jenga. You play Jenga. Yeah. And you know you get to that point in the game where, as you slide that little wooden domino out, and you start moving it around, you know the the tower is doing this, and you don't quite know what it's gonna what it's gonna do. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes it stays, and sometimes it goes. I feel like the Bills are a Jenga tower right now as you are, you know, 20 moves in. And I feel like every time you move a domino, it's doing this. And I don't know what they're going to do this year. I could see them finishing in fourth place in the division, but I guarantee you I'm not putting my name on it now because if they win the division, win the Super Bowl, I'll never live it down. But I'll tell you what, they could end up finishing in fourth place in the division. I'm not picking them to for this exercise, but I just want folks to understand, I got the feeling they got that Jenga tower wobble, and shit could go sideways for the Bills this year quickly. And in that division, with that schedule, they could end up in last place. Yeah. And they could still maybe make, maybe make the playoffs. Who knows? Maybe all four teams make it. To, no, that's not going to happen, not with their schedule. But all four teams are good enough. 
I'll still say the Patriots because that's the safer pick. Yeah. On paper, okay. they're the worst team. Right. They're the team that only has one quarterback on the roster for crying out loud. Ah, they've got too many I'll questions. I'll go Patriots. Yeah, they got, I think out of the, all the teams, there's just more questions there. You know, but you know what's going to happen? They're going to they're going to whip it up into something better than the sum of the parts, like Mike Tomlin does, I'm like sure. Bill Belichick has yeah, done in the part right. in the past. And they're going to pick one of those three teams off. I think. Well, they could. I just don't know which one. They, I mean, they could. You know, but I got to see it to believe it before I pick them. Before the fact, like I got to see a few more difference makers on the offensive side of the ball. That's what I was trying to get to to end that point there. But your point's real, and so you got Patriots fourth. All right, let's dive into your point. I got the Bills third. I did an exercise. Ooh, I, didn't, baby. I didn't pick the Bills to go to the playoffs this year. I'm giddy with up, you. Giddy up, giddy up, Josh Allen. I know. I can't giddy even up, effing up, believe the it. The horse is dying under you. <laughs> I know, right? Because I was like sitting there, and it, it, it hasn't looked great in the preseason. I am still a believer in let's look at the preseason the way the teams look. But then, hey, you get to last Saturday, and – you just you see Josh Allen and you go, oh my gosh, he's so good, at, you know. And I was already thinking about this exercise. I go, I was like, man, am I really not going to pick the Bills to go to the playoffs with that freaking guy at quarterback? I mean, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But the division, right? You're talking about. You said it right. There's a lot of things that are going on up there. Uh, there's a lot of things that have gone on in the off season. We've talked about cream of the crop difference makers. Are there enough there? Right. There's always one or two things we don't see happening in the season, you know, that shocks us. That's the one I'm going to ride with here two weeks before the year. You know, again, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bills were the first or second team in the division. I wouldn't. But I'm going to pick them third, and I'm going to have them missing out in the playoffs in the long run here just, uh, you know, for some of the reasons we just talked about there. And, look, they should actually be happy with this because last year they were carrying – way too much pressure, too many expectations. I remember saying they should be pissed off. Why isn't anybody saying the Bengals? The Bengals just went to the Super Bowl. Why is it on us? Yeah. Why isn't anybody saying the Chiefs? Why is it on us? And this year it's not on them. And so I'll, I'll agree with you. I'll put the Bills third, although I still think there's a chance that's the team the Patriots pick off and drop to the basement of the AFC East. There's just too much, too much pressure, too much stress, too much going on. And I don't buy their efforts to get us all to say, oh, there's nothing to see there. And this Stephon Diggs, there's something over that happened over the weekend. I don't know if you saw this. Simple little play, Stephon Diggs catches a slant and gets tackled instead of taken to the house. He slams his helmet down on the, the sideline after the play. Dude, it's a preseason game. It just shows you he can't turn off whatever that is inside of him that takes over, which is part of what makes him great. You can't just talk your way out of feeling that way. So when they get into games that matter, when they have stressful situations, when he's not getting the ball when he thinks he should, do you think because they finally talked it all through in June and everything was okay in June, it's going to be fine in October, November, December, or January? No. The same issue is still there. The same intensity is still there. The same problems are still there. They haven't done anything to solve them. And they had opportunities to get in on some of these other guys that were available. What'd they do? DeAndre Hopkins, they sat on their hands. They could have brought Dalvin Cook in after Naheem Hines suffers the season-ending injury. They could have brought him in, diversify the backfield, have Dalvin and James Cook working together, sat on their hands. And now they get to see Dalvin Cook with the Jets. So I'm with you. Bill's in third. And I, I, you know, I'm surprised you're – hey, hey, Chris, I, I, I know that – We've we've debated this point in the past, and I know that this take makes folks in Buffalo very nervous. 
We know how the world works. We know how the NFL works. We know that this is how it goes. We don't relish speculating on the possibility of people losing their jobs. If they don't make the playoffs, they're going to make some changes in Buffalo after this year. If you're right and they don't make the playoffs, there will be some major changes with that team. I mean, you you, you know, the NFL, like you said, it's brutal. It wouldn't shock me. I would I would hope that doesn't happen, but – you know, yeah, we follow the sport. We live it. We love it. It feels like they missed their window. That's the way it feels. They didn't do much to improve. But they still have. They still have Josh Allen. I know, but it's like we How talked about the window. It, 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 but but yeah, but but now it's like wait, there's there's too many spots where you feel like they got to rebuild, retool. They got to get younger in some of these spots. You know what they got? They got Leonard Floyd in the off season. They drafted Dalton Kincaid, right? I mean, that was their improvement to the team. So, I mean, they didn't do a whole lot there. Some of their guys, yeah, it's a year older. Von Miller, hey, he's on the, the pup. When's he going to be back? What's he going to be when he does get back? We've talked about lack of difference makers on that offensive side of the ball, right? We've talked about how, you know, I've, I've talked to people up there. There's belief, like they had a real belief of all the things we said last year. If Josh Allen doesn't play awesome, we can't win the game. So I just don't see how that changes. And, yeah, between Stephon Diggs, Leslie Frazier, Josh Allen's had some offseason crap to go through. It just seems like there's a lot on their plate, let alone the Dolphins and the Jets have borderline all-star teams. They're stacked, and that's, that's the reason I'm going to pick them to be number three. And, of course, the rest of the AFC is awesome, too. In addition to the moment where Stephon Diggs slams his helmet down in the final preseason game because he didn't bust a – you know, a, a slant route to the end zone. There was that one play from the Steelers preseason game where Josh Allen just didn't look like Josh Allen. And, and it, maybe it's an aberration, but there aren't many occasions where I say, boy, that didn't look like Patrick Mahomes, right? There, there just aren't a whole lot of plays where the best at what they do don't look like that all the time. And you know which one I'm talking about? He was running from like You're the, talking about the, the Pittsburgh one backed up on the right yeah. side of his end zone. He tries to run to the he's, left there, and he can't turn the corner. And yeah. then he's like, oh, no, right? It was, no, I'm talking about one where he's at, like, if you're looking at the screen, bottom of the screen, and he's going up, and he just kind of gets swallowed up. And it's like, I'm not used to seeing that happen. I'm not used to, I'm not used to Josh Allen looking like a fish out of water in a situation like that where he didn't have an answer and it was just try not to get eaten by Jaws. Yeah, they I, were I, they were looked just, like crap in that Pittsburgh game, to your point. Yeah, That's why they played yeah. last week. I think McDermott saw that and went, wait, we're playing in the Jets week one. We played Pittsburgh, who I know they got a good front, but we didn't block them at all, and the Jets got like – uh, just waves of guys that are going to come after us. So I'm sure that scared them. And, yeah, it's just it's a lot on him, and I think that's what bothers both of us. I spent months thinking, you know what, the Jets are going to get their bubble burst that first Monday night because the Bills are going to come to town and remind everybody they're still the Bills. And I I know. We'll, we'll do our picks podcast next week. You don't like doing it anymore, though. You don't want to do picks. No, I you don't, don't. want to do anything. I want to just enjoy the game. <laughs> I want to report on what happens, report on what we know, analyze what occurs, and just enjoy the games. I don't want to have a vested interest. And that's why I don't get – I've got – I don't know why anybody gambles. 
just enjoy it. Why can't we just enjoy the game for what it is? You're what frustrated is by all to, these things, and you the pick game. the Minnesota Vikings to root for. Jeez, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> Let's take a break. Two and one in the AFC East. Our binding predictions, which will be tattooed on our arms. We'll discuss that next year on PFT Live. All right, there are the odds and the win totals for the AFC East via the DraftKings Sportsbook. Patriots the longest shot. The Bills still the favorites, though, to win it, and they have the highest over-under win total. We have pegged them both at third place. Sorry to our friends if we have any left in western New York. So give me your second and first. I mean, we may as well combine it because we know once you say the second who the first is. So give me the reasoning why you have one over the other in first place and second place. Well, one, like I just want to say this too. I I mean, this is going to be tight, right? I think the AFC, I think we're looking at a year that's going to be tight. Like there's going to be no 14 and three or 15 and two number one seed. I don't see that. Right, I could see this being like the one seeds twelve and you know twelve and five, and there's a bunch of teams. There's another team or two that are twelve and five, and they won on tiebreakers. And there's a you know another few teams at eleven and six and ten and seven and nine and eight teams missed the playoffs. Right, but my number one team will be the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to pick them number one. I just you know I, I believe in Mike McDaniel what he's doing there and. Really, again, their roster, their team, everything they got there is is top-notch. The only thing we question at all is the offensive line. We questioned it last year. McDaniel's smart. He knows how to hide it for the most part. He gives you a lot of other things you got to slow down the pass rush for, you know, with the reverses and speed sweeps and everything he does that way. So I'm going to go with them one, and, of course, the Jets will be my number two team for a lot of the same reasons. Defense is phenomenal, and they got Aaron Rodgers. O-line we question, but there's actually more potential than Miami, so that's my one and two, Mike. I think the key is to Otonga Vailoa. Yeah, I hear you. How many games does he play? And we've seen flashes that the jiu-jitsu is working, that the training that he has received and the practice that he has put in to learning how to fall. He's avoided a couple of times having his head strike the turf. He's gone down in a way that suggests he has learned a different habit and he's incorporated it, which is encouraging. If he plays the whole season, and that still is a big if because he's been banged up in other ways. He needs to protect himself in other ways, not just his head. I I think they're the best team. They're an elite team. And you're right. One seed is going to be hard to do because of the schedule they'll play. Two games against the Jets, two games against the Patriots, two games against the Bills, and the Chiefs and the Eagles and the Chargers and the Cowboys and the Giants. You're not going to be the one seed, most likely but they will, I think, win the division, and the Jets will keep it close, and it could easily be the Jets. But I really do think, you know, even though we view it as a tight, great division top to bottom, I do think there is a line of demarcation between Jets, Dolphins, and Bills, Patriots right now. Agreed. And, and, you know, you're right about the Bills in that it feels like the sun is setting on this version of the team – and that only is going to create more urgency to, to get a new sunrise, a new dawn, while you still have years left of useful high-end performance by Josh Allen. 
And uh, I think this is the year it's really going to come crashing down. That Jenga tower is going to fall. Maybe not all the way to fourth place, but far enough. When we see what the Jets and the Dolphins have this year, that people are going to say, well, yeah, we we just thought it was inevitable the Bills were going to get back to the Super Bowl. And this collection, this group, this is going to be their last chance. And we both agree they're not going to make it. Yeah, there's just there's there's too many things that you know I, I think I I, I I question, you know, and and just to be able to sustain life with Josh Allen being the main part of the running game, right? The of course the playmaker in the pass game, still I think like a lack of a weapon in the pass game other than Diggs, like we've talked about, right? You can't even compare them. And in a lot of positions, at least in my opinion, compared to the Jets or the Dolphins in, in that way. I mean, we can go to some positions and go, man, the Jets and Dolphins got like all-stars right here. And the Do- and the Bills, like, you know, some people off the street won't even know who plays these positions for their football team. And that that's where, yeah, they've separated themselves. Question. We got to take a break. But I, I, and I don't like talking about this because I don't want to be accused of putting a jinx on anyone. But between the Jets and the Dolphins – which team is better situated to withstand an injury to the starting quarterback, short-term or long-term? Ooh. Man, that's a really good one, you know. I, I, I think right now I'm, 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 I'm going to go with the Jets. I am. I think with Zach Wilson, kind of the resurgence and Rodgers there, even if Rodgers was hurt, he's going to be there to help Zach Wilson out. I'd feel better about that. You know, Mike White, I do like Mike White. I don't mean that, but, you know, he'd been banged up. He didn't get a lot of reps in this new offense. When he did play, it wasn't great. We saw Strebler play really damn good, and, you know, so that's where I'll I'll go Zach Wilson. I also have Skylar Thompson, who looked pretty good in the preseason as well. Did I say – I said Strebler. I meant to say Skylar Thompson. Excuse me. Yeah. I I didn't even – yeah, Strebler is available if anybody with maybe (laughs) only one quarterback on their roster would like to sign him. Uh, but I, I kind of agree with you. We need to take a break. Uh, best catches and throws from the final week of the preseason next here on PFT Live. You like that exercise. You know it. Joe Burrow still out of practice. Remember, it was several weeks that he would miss due to the calf injury. Coach Zach Taylor said yesterday in a press conference, the contract situation is not why Joe Burrow isn't practicing. Taylor was asked if Joe Burrow will practice next week, and Taylor said, we'll see. They only have two guys on the active roster at quarterback, Joe Burrow and Jake Browning. Trevor Simeon was released. Will Greer, as we mentioned earlier, is added to the practice squad. Chris, here's my theory. I mentioned this yesterday to Miles Simmons, possibly Monday. The days are blurring together for me. I think at this point, we know Joe Burrow was waiting for Justin Herbert to do his deal. I think at this point, I think Burrow's waiting to see what Mahomes does. Because there's a belief out there Mahomes is going to get a contract reconfiguration before week one. If he's not able to play, and that's the thing, we don't know. We don't know if he's able to play week one. We've had Jamar Chase say he shouldn't come back until he's ready to go. Even if he misses five games, we'll be fine. Just still a weird situation. And I I feel like at some level, look, whether he's not practicing because of the contract, even if he's healthy enough, he shouldn't practice until the contract is done. Assuming he's recovered, he still should not be practicing until his contract is done. Yeah, I mean, I know. That ain't going to happen, you know. He's, again, is the guy you talk about all the time, Mike. I mean, he just, he loves it. He wants to be great. You know, he's not going to miss practice. 
I, I would think this contract is coming down the pipe at any moment here, right? I, I'm, I do believe that the, the calf strain, is, it's there. We know it's difficult to overcome. It lingers forever. I also believe that he will be out there week one, 100%. I do. Contract with no a contract. Con- yeah, I mean, con- I would hope no, so. I think he'll have a contract. But if it's not one. on week one, will. it's like he's just got to sign it maybe the next Monday or Tuesday, the day after, or something like that. It's, it's very close. Uh, but yeah, this is a guy that loves the game and he's very aware of how great he is and wants to be in, in the pantheon of, you know, uh, the league. So I, I, he, he's going to get out there as soon as he can. Pantheon. Somebody Pantheon. got a word of the day calendar Look at that. for his birthday. Bam. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up <laughs> this Wednesday. PFT Live right after this. Doug Peterson had to release his own son from the Jaguars <laughs> roster. Now he may be back on the practice squad. And look, you got to pick your best 53. The kid gets an opportunity. And, you know, get some reps in the preseason. And at the end of the day, you really do rip the name off the back of the jersey, Chris. Regardless of who it is, got to pick your best players and you got to move forward. Yeah, that's right. I mean, geez, you, you know the locker room was looking at that, right? I mean, it, you know, you, you can't favor people because they're your family. It was the, it's, it's the decision that had to be made. Uh, it was a cool story nonetheless, and we'll see where it goes from there. But, yeah, you're right. I think there's a chance maybe practice squad or, or he'll at least get a job as a quality control working in the front office or something like that. I don't think he's going to disappear from football life. Yeah, and he gave it a shot like many other guys. They And, and a lot of them will continue. We'll see a lot of moves throughout the course of the day. We'll be tracking them at profootballtalk.com. Waivers claims, guys on practice squads. We'll break it all down tomorrow plus everything else. Have a great day. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.